GM friends, and welcome to the Future of Gaming. You are listening to our weekly Fogcast, and this this is a special one. It's the last one of 2022 where we kiss this beautiful was beautiful. This kiss this year goodbye, and we say hello to a new one. And in this week's episode, I'm joined as usual by Devin Becker. Um, Phil Collins, our buddy, is not here, but we have a fantastic replacement. We have Steve Karan. Hey, Steve. Hey, hello. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you. Um, Steve has runs the longest running radio show about games Very in good. the world. Very good. I've been trying to say that like successfully for 17 years. Well, yeah. obviously we weren't at the start, no. but at least for the last you know, decade. And often I claim that it's the longest running radio show in the world. And my co-host goes, hmm. And I'm like, no, there's too many clauses there. Yeah. Uh, and when we do eventually become the longest running radio show in the world, then maybe I'll be okay. But yes, <laughs> for now it's called One Life Left. It's available at www.onelifeleft.com. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone listen to it because it is not the best radio show about video games in the world, but the it is running. certainly the longest running. There you go. And so you, you're going to kick ass here because you have so much experience speaking into a mic and have your beautiful voice broadcasted to millions of people's homes. Mm. Millions. Let's, let's definitely say millions. Although yeah. you would think that if it was the most popular radio show about video games in the whole world, I would call it that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the longest running. Hey, you're having fun, right? Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. Like joking aside, it is the most fun thing that I do every week and i do a lot of fun things every week including making video games um but it's been a you know a regular feature in my in my week for 17 years and i wouldn't still be doing it if it wasn't um great fun to do this kind of thing so that's it good so you'll you might hear from my coughing slash my voice that i've been sick for a week and i've actually i've been sick for christmas for three years in a row now so i don't know what this is I think it's like, you know, my body's like, I got to get through through December and then boom, when it, like when the holiday starts, first day, I fall sick. Um, and then this morning I went for my first CrossFit session in a while and it was painful. And so my lungs are, um, are suffering. Um, but hey, we'll get through this. We have some spicy predictions for you. Um, I see Devin with a, with a smile there. He already um, gave us some, some ideas about what he's thinking about at the end of the world and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I suggest we, we dive right in. Um, I'm not going to go first because I don't, I don't I, like I'm the boss here, so I can decide who, who goes first. So Devin, I think, um, you know, um, you are one of the most knowledgeable people about the, the web three gaming space, by the way, we're trying to focus our <clears throat> predictions about web three gaming. Perhaps gaming more broadly, perhaps the world if, you, if you're really feeling like it. Um, <laughs> but but let's try and stay focused at least in the beginning. So Devin, give it g give one of your predictions for for 2023. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to predict that 2023 is the year that we stop separately calling it Web3 Gaming, mm -hmm. and then it's a prediction just about gaming. But I I don't think that's likely to happen, unfortunately, just yet. Uh, I mean, I hope we like like I said previously about the whole uh, calling free to play gaming like its own thing, and that that not really ever quite going away. Uh, I would like to see the Web3 gaming thing kind of go away, but at the same time, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a fun niche for now. But I do think um, 2023 will be kind of a rough year because it's going to be really slow for Web3 gaming in general. Like, we have a lot of games that are in the works that like are likely to come out at some point in 2023, like either because they're just running out of money and they got to either, you know, put out something and start trying to generate more money to keep going. Um, 
or just because like they happen to actually be finished. I think it's probably more likely the former than the latter, to be honest. I think a lot of these games, um, I mean, obviously there's the ones that are like, oh, we're going to make the next MMO and blah, blah, blah. They're obviously overscoped. But I think even the ones that are probably reasonably scoped will probably start running low on cash because they took a lot up front. And as, as you know, I'm sure from, from VC funding that some people just spend money better than others. And, uh, and there was probably a lot of more extravagant spending this year. And I don't think inflation settling down soon enough for spending to go down. So I think we're going to start to see a lot of games start to come out, maybe a little premature uh, out of the oven. And then maybe a little disappointing, to be honest. I think we've put a lot of weight on some of these bigger games to be kind of the savior. And I don't think we're going to get a savior next year. I don't think we're going to get uh, the Jesus of Web3 Gaming. I think we're going to get some iterations at best, which is fine, uh, as long as you like take it within the broader context of things. But I just... I think there'll be cool ideas. I think there'll be neat things like the the kind of stuff that you're always excited about, you know, the the on-chain stuff, the the experiments, but those will remain relatively niche, I think to an extent, but I think from the from our perspective it will be a very interesting year. From the outside perspective, I think it'll be a very slow year. Uh and I I mean, look forward to some of these games coming up, but I just I don't expect groundbreaking uh game stuff. But I do expect iteration on the economy design. Uh, which is my focus all the time. So I, I'm very interested to see, unfortunately, probably a lot of failures, but also a few, like, I think, inklings of ideas that work out. Who knows, maybe maybe Gabe Layden's big bet will will finally come to, well, free to own, that was it the whole time. But I I, I mean, I don't I don't think that's necessarily the play, but uh, I would like to see where that, where that turns out. I think that, uh, yeah, Devin's predictions are uh, probably spot on. Which is cheating to a point because it's not a very <laughs> spicy prediction to not say yet. that Warm a lot up. of companies in this space are running out of money and are going to desperately put stuff out and it's probably not going to work out, which broadly I would say is is probably good for the space in that I think – I was talking last night with a friend uh, about how – I am far less knowledgeable about this sector than, than both of you guys, but um, it was clear – to even me when I started learning about this, that there's a bubble, as there is in every new technology, uh, when people see the money and dive in, and they don't necessarily think about what they're going to make. They just quickly go, there's a money cash grab on here, get something, so we're going to do this, plus this new technology. And necessarily, a lot of those people have to come in and then drop out again for there to be a um, a a center of that technology where the real work is going to take place and that real work i think focuses in two areas one is in the the niches that you talk or the niche projects which really only appeal to technologists and brave explorers right and that's the you know really really interesting things but they're not necessarily ever going to find a new a, a huge audience now that exists in all kinds of sectors it's in traditional gaming it's generally where i i was i don't know if you guys have looked at your steam uh review of the year the spotify kind of thing right that comes up and it's it's, it's it tells you what sort of person you are and um it told me that i play games with cats in which is absolutely true and it told me um that i play uh Dark Souls likes, uh, which is true because I sunk a lot of time into Elden Ring this year, um, despite not liking it. Right, <laughs> but the other the other thing that it told me I play is abstract games, um, and the reason I play lots and lots of abstract games is because you know I like to feel like I'm cool and playing abstract stuff, but also because that's where the interesting explorations happen in traditional gaming. Right, the slightly weird stuff which is never gonna 
catch on because it may be slightly unfinished or it may be a bit too weird or visually but inside those are interesting mechanics that people take and then take into the mainstream and uh, and you're going to see a lot of those explorations now those are particularly interesting in this sector because a lot of people a lot of the people who are in the gaming space who generally navigate around new technologies have been put off blockchain because they hate it and they hate everyone involved in it so they won't touch it so it's even more niche here you have very few gameplay explorers putting out these kind of niche things but some of them will catch on and some of them will uh, catch on in that kind of small sector and will will break through um so i think that that is yeah that's 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 super interesting to me um the other thing we were talking about you were talking about is um i've completely forgotten that's what I do on your show, though, Nico. Is I, I talk about something, end up over yeah. here, and, and, and then and then you lose your train yeah, of thought. I remember and we, in five we have seconds. to fill the awkward silence. No, it's not awkward. We're friends. It's That's fine. true. <laughs> Chilling out on the radio. Yeah. Sorry, podcast. That's the spicy part of prediction. Is the part that he couldn't <laughs> remember. Yeah. So yeah. I, I want to quantify when you say that you don't really think that blockchain gaming or Web three gaming, whatever you want to call it, goes mainstream. You know, let's Sorry, put a yes, number. Reminded me. No, I've got it. I've got it, Nico. No, no, no. I, I'm about what to answer. A, what, a great, what a great guest like, stops me in the middle of my train of thought. <laughs> I like to talk. I just don't necessarily like to stay on topic. Um, is the other <laughs> side of that, right, is the thing that you were, you're also alluding to, I think, which is, so there's those explorations going on, but there's also blockchain gaming as a, um, as a thing that isn't called blockchain gaming, Web3 gaming, the sort of underlying technology that is slowly going to creep into bigger games um and isn't even talked about like and it's not companies that are positioning themselves as we're a web3 gaming company we're exploring this brave new thing it's just people who are looking at the cool stuff that this can do and maybe taking ideas from the abstract and then slowly putting them on the surface you know I, I i can see uses for for the tech that just do the boring stuff that a lot of people you know user registration or uh or you know account details or you know keeping track of small objects right no one no one positions i don't know if tomorrow valve suddenly pivoted 180 and said yeah sorry lads we're totally into blockchain now we're moving all of our counter-strike guns to on chain which is not going to happen that's not a spicy prediction nico so don't clip it out for next year but if that <laughs> if that was what happened it's not really a big move right it's just a change in technology and it just it just does a thing and they'd be insane to pitch counter-strike as a web 3 game at that point but I think you'll find a lot of companies who go, oh, actually, this will be quite, would be quite useful for this. And if we can get it past the platform holders who don't like this on our platform, if we can somehow integrate this, then, yeah, you'll find some of that tech secretly making its way into um, games. We already see mm -hmm. a bit of that of people calling them just digital collectibles now. And, I, mm -hmm. and I, like yeah. those have been like, you know, the Reddit example or the Starbucks example where they're like, just let's just call it digital collectibles. Obviously, like Ubisoft started to kind of do that, but they made it way too obvious. Blockchain yeah. aspects, right? Like, and like, I think they kind of fumbled that one, but they were like starting to go that direction a little bit as well. And I think that's kind of the camouflage everyone throws on is, well, everyone's cool. The digital collectible, no one hates those. And so I like, I think as soon as you just stop saying NFT, like then they can just do yeah. whatever they want. Totally. And, and the Reddit thing is a perfect example, right? 
the Reddit onboarding is it's almost perfect, right? You you create a password and suddenly you have this have this thing. And if you can get away from the even the creating a password thing, because I already have a Reddit account, I've no idea what my password was I created for this thing, right? Um, if you can get away from that as well, no one's complaining about that. You just get a nice little picture. It's not that nice, honestly. But you get a picture anyway, uh, and it's yours, and some people like it and some people don't, and some people don't ever notice. And I think... Um, that kind of friction-free example is, yeah, you're going to see many more of those over the next 12 months. Okay, so <clears throat> your last point is that we'll see blockchain start to be used uh, by parties that wouldn't necessarily have a pro-blockchain stance, mm -hmm. but solving problems that are not necessarily related to game design um, at all. Yeah, um, and... <laughs> I don't even know whether those things are problems, like they're things that there are solutions for, example, but uh, already, but the solutions inside blockchain may give, may give different possibilities in the future mm. and also may prove easier in some respect. Yeah. Okay. And so to, I guess it's hard because once this start doing, once this starts solving problems or allowing for solutions that mm. couldn't exist before, um, we're going to really start having difficulties with, calling games what three games or non-loop three mm. games right um and so i guess what i want to do now is also talk because a lot of the people here are interested in in like the the web three applied to games mm -hmm. like and game design and, and and game dynamics so let's uh for argument's sake say that today we have a million maus monthly active users that are playing web three games just mm -hmm. as a as a baseline number what's your order of magnitude number for the end of this year uh, sorry, the end of next year. So the end of 2023. Devin. <laughs> I'm not sure I completely understood the question, to be honest. Uh, like, So assuming that today we right. have a million players, right? Okay. Are you thinking we'll have maybe a 5x amount of players at the end no. of next year? Um, are you saying it's 1x? Or are you saying it's 0.5x? I'm saying maybe a stealth 2x, where it's not super obvious. I think... There'll be a lot of obfuscation of the technology, uh, like what we were just talking about. And I think a lot of people will, won't realize they're participating in the technology because they don't care. Uh, we will hopefully move past that whole environmental argument because none of this is really built on Bitcoin for the most part. Uh, and so I think once we kind of like throw all these dumb kind of fake arguments out of the way and just like let the technology kind of do its thing and ignore it, I think we'll we'll maybe go to a 2x with its stealth. I think the the people that are using it very obviously might actually go down a little bit because right now it's like a lot of people that are still a little bit of speculative behavior or very bullish. And then they start to kind of just get distracted over time and kind of veer off and do their own thing. There'll be like a lot of diehards that are still just going to use it. And I think a lot of them remain, but I think, I feel like that's like a, a 0.75 X for the, the diehard web three people. And then yet we still end up in a two X total because of all the people using it without realizing it. And I think overall this, I, this discussion of like <clears throat> enabling things that you couldn't do before, I think is a red herring. I think the idea of thinking of it as it has to reinvent everything. This has to be like the fusion reactor of all this stuff. That's, that's just a distraction. Like that's an easy straw man to go up against. Right. And like that becomes the constant argument between quote unquote traditional game developers and like us 
newfangled web three nuts or whatever, you know, like it's, it's a non nonsensical thing. It doesn't have to happen. Right. And a lot of the stuff sometimes does happen in big spurts where uh, I think, for example, microtransactions were one of those things that didn't necessarily like it was, you know, Apple enabling their little payment system in the phones. And it was just like, not a big deal. Like no one thought, Oh, this is going to reinvent gaming. But it's like, as soon as people like took some twists on it, it started to like evolve towards something. And I don't think anyone, I mean, I know there was some debate about the horse armor thing, you know, back in the day, but like, I don't think everyone thought like, this is the future of all gaming. Like there were some people who were like, oh, this was, but it didn't need to reinvent everything. It's like iterative. And, and we don't think, I'm not like gay blade where it's like, oh, web three is going to replace traditional gaming. That stuff's on the way out. It's like, no, we didn't replace console gaming. We didn't, we didn't even replace handheld gaming. Like we didn't replace any form of game. We just added more. Uh, I mean, I still see people playing games that are basically still old school text adventures and BBS games. We we haven't replaced any form of game since Pong even. I think there's still Pong around. Hell, I have this little tiny game thing right here that I got for Christmas. That's like a full-on game system that you can code for. That's like this tiny little thing with like asteroids and stuff on it. We, we're not going to replace any form of gaming. We're just going to add new ones. And so let's stop thinking about like, oh, it's got to be used to replace everything. So sorry, that's a bit of a tangent, but I'm just getting a little annoyed at uh, people constantly seeing it as this it either is replacing everything or it's useless dead weight and stupid waste of money tangents are good because <laughs> nico's original question is not fair like yeah. to start up. again trying to set both of us up for a year's time where we say here's a number and you're gonna get that number yeah. wrong so um and also it, it to a point it's it's a very difficult question to answer because do you consider for a start, the point that you made about what is engagement with this technology, right? Loads of people are going to engage with it and not know they're engaging with it. And secondly, I want to get into this argument, but what is a game? Like, uh, if you are, if you take the Reddit example, if you are registering for a Reddit avatar and then you've got one and then you're like, oh, I want to get all 10 of these and collect them and want to have, you know, all of these traits and blah, blah, blah. Am I playing a game? I would argue, yeah, you pretty much are. You're collecting these things. Do you know that you're engaging with a Web3 game? Probably not. Do you care? Definitely not. Like, you know, so I think I you could pick any number and it would be wrong and it would be right for next year. Um, your point about, like, getting rid of games is absolutely correct. Like, replacing games is a silly thing to say. We're not going to write anything off. And the other point about, like, looking for the next thing looking for there is constantly within traditional video games uh, and there has been for as long as i've been a, a video game creator and before that a journalist where is the next tetris right where is the next te and designers sit there and puzzle over like blocks and how do i array these and like i want to you know tetris has been invented and then people build skews and build layers on tetris and corrupt it in this way and take a part of tetris that you don't really think about i don't know the tidying up in tetris and turn that into animal crossing plucking plucking, plucking weeds from your uh town every day that's kind of tetris like uh, you don't go away and say animal crossing is the next tetris it's like dinosaurs right we never really got rid of dinosaurs they're just alligators and birds now and stuff that is still around but like, yeah. we just think of them differently constant evolution changing mixing things together and that is how we build new things not by going oh my god we've invented this new technology what is a web 3 game right well the web 3 singularity yeah it's it's probably a load of buzzword nonsense used to raise money like a web 3 
successful Web3 project looks at the technology and goes, okay, what can I take from this and mix, you know, with something that already exists to create something new um, or something interesting at least. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like how Steve just took three minutes to, to shit on my question and then also not answer it in the same way. Yeah, no, perfect. Let's, yeah, it uh, sounds like a good setup. done this before, Nico. Yeah. Are we bullying you? I'm sorry. It, it starts to feel like it, but you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to expertly do the same thing. I'm going to completely shit gears and I'll, I'll make a prediction of my own. Nice. So you can shit on that, Steve, next, if, you, if you'd like, you know? Perfect. <laughs> um, and so my prediction is that I don't know if you guys have seen um, some charts of countries the amount the amount of um, blockchain users mm-hmm. and the percentage of the population and so number one country in the amount of blockchain users by far is india right now mm-hmm. and if you go down and list you have like countries like nigeria um and a bunch of southeast asian asian countries and so i think that the dark horse for like sudden Tens of bill, tens of millions of of blockchain. You're game sniping adoption, my next prediction. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, man. Front ran. Um, go, go ahead. Is is going to be specifically India because they have, like, yeah, I think um, a highly educated, like, general population, and so, um, but also like the, uh, some of the other countries. I am very interested in in Africa as well, um, and so I think. You know, we were used to thinking about tier one countries a lot. And I think, you know, we're going to start thinking about some of the, uh, these other countries and other continents as well um, significantly. And I think that's going to start over the next 12 months. Devin, you were, you were going to say yeah. the same thing? or, or well, you, so, you so, Sort of similar, yeah. Like my, my dark horse is just Asia in general, which India is part of. Like, I just think it, Asia is going to go big in in but it, i don't think we're going to hear about it so much in our white centric non-asian cultures that we're all sitting in uh we'll only hear about it if we're looking for it like a lot of stuff that happens over there because of language barriers and stuff like that maybe just doesn't percolate over here and i think just the average person's not going to hear about it and then all of a sudden like maybe 2024 we're all we all realize like holy crap they've been doing this for a while like they know what they're doing and you see the setup for it you see stuff like you know oasis you see stuff like clayton you see these blockchains being built game centric like these countries have been building games for a long time on the forefront of different kinds of technology different uh like ways of adapting to different environment or economical uh issues like you know the way they ended up shifting towards free-to-play for different reasons microtransactions like they've they've been on the forefront of a lot of this stuff for a while like i mean i'm not to say like they're always the bleeding edge right like it's you know back and forth and we influence each other but i think they're very confident in it it's not like it it doesn't seem like it's a bubble to them it seems like hey there's cool stuff here we're gonna build it at the end like it's not it doesn't sound like a wishy-washy VC uh, throwing money around like Joker and the Batman kind of situation. It's just them being like, we like this technology. We're going to build on it now. And then we'll see the, the fruits of that. And maybe just a little bit 2023 as they like build out, uh, you know, the first wave. But I think they are definitely the dark horse because like not all their stuff will necessarily make their, make its way over here because not everything fits our cultures. Uh, and I, I, I don't know where you're at, Steve, so I'm just assuming you're in some European country probably or America. Uh, just totally being racist, I guess. Uh, but uh, I imagine, you know, it will shift westward, uh, I'll put it that way, later on. Uh, and not all of it will. And I think 
like that's normal for video games in general and just game technology like you know if nintendo brings stuff over here like it can make its way over but like if if it's just something that culturally doesn't necessarily mesh well over here like a lot of stuff doesn't like i was even just doing recent research into moba stuff and just looking again at the recent kind of spread country-wise and like what you're talking about nico a lot of non-first world countries adapting this stuff or adopting this stuff i mean and like just western culture in general like being excited about mobas but our uh, you know adoption of it is so low uh it's like it's too complicated for western audiences and stuff like that and i and i see that kind of thing all the time like i, w- I was just recently in tokyo and looking at uh the games over there and it's like they're all so complicated compared to like what we have over here and walls of text and it's just stuff that's not acceptable over here culturally and i think we'll see a bit of that wall next year when some of these games go over there and like people will poo poo them because they'll be like, Oh, that because it won't fit over here in, in theory. Right. Cause they're building for their demographic, for their culture. And so it'll be like cool and, and, and futuristic to us. Cause we'll get it. But I think a lot of people will just be like, nah, whatever, you know, like, and ignore it. I mean, 20 years ago, the traditional gaming market laughed at dating games, which were a big deal <laughs> in Japan and people aren't laughing anymore at dating games right it's it's i mean they are they're also laughing at them but they're also making a ridiculous amount of money um uh, in the west um and you are seeing traditional gaming companies in japan getting uh, you know not feeling the pushback that they're uh having the uh, western gaming companies are getting from from this space and so they're starting to dabble if you look at what square are doing um now how much of that dabbling is going to be interesting i i don't know at the moment it seems to me to be centered around the nft space uh, and you know um that kind of thing which seems to be old school web3 thinking to me ironically um but i yeah i, I think not to um you know not just because i don't want to bully nico on this but i think that's a super interesting point yeah and um i'm not going to push back against your spicy product uh, spicy I, I think a good example of this like um is the one thing that always excites me because i'm just a big trading card nerd is they still <laughs> make trading card based arcades over there like arcades mm-hmm. that print out mm-hmm. or or distribute yeah. trading cards you can play them there and to your point about like dating games taking forever to come over like they tried to bring those games over here for a while mm-hmm. and like the, the only one you could kind of see around was like injustice arcade like with the the dc mm-hmm. heroes ones uh but then minecraft dungeons came over and that made a big splash i don't know if it's still like making i haven't been to dave musters to check that in a while but like they're slowly pushing that over here. And like Sega's big first blockchain game is based off of one of those where like you put trading cards down and you move your units around like an RTS kind of game. And I was literally, like I said, just there. And like, they have new ones. It's not an old thing that they've given up on. They've been doing it for like, I think almost two decades or more now. Cause I think I remember playing one that came over to GameWorks in Vegas, like 20 plus years ago. Mm. And, but I mean like that fits with the NFT space, right? Like you're saying like, yeah. well, maybe NFTs are old, but like that's, that's a core philosophy to what's exciting about the, it to them. Even you mm. look at Animoca's philosophy and stuff, the idea of ownership of these pieces of a game, yeah. I think is core to what they find exciting about it. And so I think going forward, as kind of you pointed out, Steve, like that'll be the core of their interest. It won't be all the technology that they're, they probably don't give a crap about on-chain games and all that stuff, right? A lot of the technology is not what they're excited about. Mm. They're excited about, ownership of game assets and what that means and they've seen that for over 20 years in the trading card arcade business they know that 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 market yeah i think that's super interesting because actually i've only read these reports 
of um of what these Japanese devs are doing through the lens of Western media, right? So the reports on it that say, oh, this famous Japanese creator is dropping a thousand, you know, uh, you know, a thousand content NFT collection for use in this game. And I'm like, oh man, this is the pitch that I was reading about 12 months ago for um, games here that I don't believe in um, doing mini FT, nft collections because that's a good way of them raising cash for their their thing and they haven't really thought about the the implementation but you're you're absolutely right i hadn't thought about that i hadn't thought really not about that but also how i'm getting the information about that uh which is in two ways one through that and two through the lens of people on my twitter stream absolutely loathing the fact that their heroes are now getting involved in in web three they love uh, collectibles uh, over there it's a cultural difference yeah, yeah. like you go there and like collectibles of everything and ip distributed mm. through collectibles and lots of crossovers and different like collaborations between them it's a very different culture and i think as you point out like it gets filtered over here and unless you mm. like dig into it or literally go there it's it's very easy to miss out like even just trying to find information about these trading card arcade games mm -hmm. can be very difficult like i feel like i go over there and i see totally different things than i can find out when i'm over here because like you and you google Unless you're Googling in Japanese, you won't even find the websites. Like I Google for the website when I was over there and I would find the website for that arcade. And then I come back here and I try to Google it and I can't find it huh. because I'm not Googling in Japanese characters. Right. And uh, it's just, there's even like this technological culture gap because the language is not, you know, it, it's, it shouldn't be a language barrier because Google Translate works pretty well, but it is at the end of the day. Yeah, mm -hmm. but if you can be the... Uh be the western dev who takes some of these principles and translates them for the audience i don't mean literally translates them but finds out what is because we're all humans right you can talk about cultural differences but those cultural differences generally translate to something that releases the same endorphins and makes me want to engage in the dating game or whatever it is if you can be that person um then there's a lot of creative mileage there i think working on it hmm. there we go um another prediction here I think, because we just touched upon it, I think that, so over the past year, I've actually looked at quite a few businesses that are trying to involve community um, and in general players into IP creation in some way. And I think that there's a lot of ways this will be done ineffectively. But I think in 2023, we will see some cases where suddenly, like the players and users and community is in a very productive way involved in IP creation. Um, and I think that's going to like spur a new, a new wave of platforms that are built around that. Hmm. It's a wild one. Yeah. Hmm. I, think, I, I, uh... I, there's a lot of people disagreeing with this. So this is probably my spiciest one. <laughs> I think from my experience at these communities, there are incredibly creative people involved in them. And people who are finding their own creative outlet through being enabled by being told, hey, you have control over this IP or you can do whatever you want with it. You can make something with it. And that's, um, you know, that intimidating thing of having a blank sheet of paper and being told, hey, you're a creator. You can do anything you want. And suddenly it says, no, you can do anything you want involving this IP. And you've got a start point and then you can go off and write your own fan fiction or create something beautiful or art assets around it. And that, I think, is great. And I've seen incredible things um, come out of the communities that I'm involved in based on this. However... What I would say is, as a creator, I am very wary of averaging out everything uh, 
um, trying to appeal to everything, everyone, but also getting everyone involved in something. I broadly believe that democracy doesn't work. Clip Spicy that one dig. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. I don't mean that, right? Like, no, no. but I do mean that no, from mean. creative yeah. projects. Uh, I think that you need. It doesn't have to be one person. Like, it could be two or it could be three. Like, I don't necessarily believe in the alter thing, but I do believe in creating a vision and sticking to that vision and creating something beautiful and exciting and something unpredictable. And you don't really get unpredictability from averaging stuff out. So um, I'm not saying that you are wrong, but I am saying that... Which is, which is British for, I'm saying that you're an idiot. <laughs> No, I'm saying that I'm not <laughs> sure that I'm personally keen on a future where everything is built by everyone for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think that way leads a universe of Marvel movies. I don't want that. No, it's a I multiverse agree. of Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, to just give a quick response to that, I think what you've like when I mention my points, like you mm. form a vision about you know everyone helps out and it all averages out, and mm. I don't think that's the only outcome of of a world where communities are involved in the IP creation, right? Yeah. We we were working with a company it's called Five 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 Comics, based in Japan, and um, they have these characters that tell their stories through social media. So they have like TikTok and they have their Twitter account and like they tell their stories, and then people can like answer. And, and 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 like retweet with the comments and like that's algorithmically gets involved into the the story creation and there's also some opinionated selection there where you have these these writers that are involved in the process and that select what gets in, implemented um and so i think these are types of implementations that are that find the balance between having a a core group of people individuals that have this this the core vision and then still getting enough of the the um involvement to, to make something that is truly unique and special. It is it is hard though, isn't it? Because I think you can listen to the voices of your community, like, and you should. But to a point, <laughs> Devin's shaking their head. Um, but I think <clears throat> that some of my favourite moments in media are moments that would appall people if they were put to a vote, like killing off favourite characters and and that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it's. It's a really bold move, like as a as an author, right? Like you, you you write the ending to your book, and it's one that's gonna like rip the heart out of your audience. The character that they've been taught to love through you know chapters one through ten dies in chapter eleven, and if you put that out to um, to an audience, or even if you listen to people, what's gonna happen is the person in charge of your community listening to that has gone. Listen, they will hate us for doing this. They will hate us, and it will drive our company into the dirt right and the the vociferous people in that community will they will tell you they're going to drop out and they hate you and you're doing the wrong thing and i i get that that's not entirely what your point to you know you're talking about what i am saying it is it is a potent thing that you have to be really careful with managing mm -hmm. uh, here, here's my take on it i think uh it's important to like embrace the idea that fragmentation is natural and desirable uh, and what I mean by that is if you have a system where it's majority rules, right, which is the only technically the only way to do like the, the best, you know, for like c compromise for the majority of people. Right. Like and that's how we do, we do a lot of things. 
at the end of the day, you're still ending up with a lot of people unhappy, right? And over time, those people that are unhappy should fragment off. And I think that's a natural thing that should happen. And you should have to, this cycle of fragmenting and majoritying and minoritying and fragmenting. And you see that like in all futuristic fiction, you always have like the, the main people and then the people that are the, you know, the people that are shoved out to the wastelands and then that whole back and forth thing. And I think if you embrace that and consider that a natural part of like these de democratic systems where let's say you open up your, your, your IP, right. To a group of people and a bunch of people do a bunch of stuff with it. There will develop pockets of fan bases around individual things. And at some point that might become like a, a minority and a majority at the same time, like a really, really popular minority that the rest of the people hate because I feel like it doesn't fit with the IP. And then those people fragment off into their own fan base and then create their own kind of spin-off and maybe even strip off the IP and redo it. And like, we see this happen all the time. And I think that's a natural part of evolution of community created content is to embrace that. Don't try and keep everyone in one box. Say, let's create this thing. Let's get the ball rolling. And if you want to run off and do your own version of it and create your own community around that, just do it. Like, and we're not going to restrict that. And like, I, I find it like funny watching like the UGC idea around something like Axie, right? Where they're trying to manage this builder's program and build within this kind of really constrained box. They're trying to be like open to it. Community does everything for us. But at the same time, they don't really like they don't. The community doesn't really decide like there's voting systems. But again, that's majority rules. And there's going to be people who are unhappy. And I think like this idea of wanting to embrace the cyclical uh, fragmentation, just like the way we have like revolutions that turn into dictatorships that turn into revolutions. Like, I think if we look at it that way and stop trying to do uh one size fits all democracy stuff, I think we'll be in a better place for these UGC programs. Like I've been watching uh, some of these open licenses and stuff. Like uh, I was following it in like the, um, the tabletop RPG world. Cause I thought it was really interesting where, uh, Dungeons and Dragons had its own license and then uh, that was like, you know, somewhat controlled, right? They, they control it a little bit. Like they decide kind of to some extent what's acceptable to be put on their stores and stuff like that. Whereas like uh, the Swedish company that did um, Mork Borg and Cyborg and stuff like just were like this open license. Like as long as you're just not like this horrible, creating this horrible, horrible content, just do whatever you want. And it's, it's funny to watch. Like, again, just like with anything else, there's a minority of creators and a majority of consumers of that stuff, right? And some of those consumers eventually can be inspired enough to create their own thing. But a lot of times creating your own thing is somewhat based off of rejection of the thing. Like, I'm going to fix the thing that I didn't like about that thing. And that inevitably creates this fragmentation because they are rejecting some of what's there. They're not going to just take everything and yes and it. Uh, mm. it's, it's going to be that. And I think it's really cool to watch this sort of like culture experiment in the RPG world because the RPG world is unique in that it has embraced UGC in the sense that they're selling like a system and, or a platform. And by you creating content for that platform, it still brings people back to the platform and the community. But at some point you'll see people fragment off and some of those Mork Borg expansions will turn into their own game. And mm -hmm. then they won't be supporting Mork Borg anymore. They'll be their own fan base and their own thing that, because that's Mork Borg itself comes from other stuff that was like that. Right. And it's just, I don't know. It's a long way of saying it's just evolution of communities uh, should be taken into the scope and not just this kind of like, let's just have everyone vote blunder <laughs> into kind of like mentality that like is very utopian idealistic and not at all what human history has shown. There we go, Nico. Let's Devin see. doesn't like voting. Oh. That one out. That's, <laughs> that's you, you, you think democracy doesn't work and then Devin doesn't like voting. Yeah. Um, yep. 
There America was meant to be a republic, not a democracy. And uh, they were very clear about that. But apparently we've lost our way. I don't know. Now, so, who knows what it is? I know what I expected when I pressed record for this podcast. I'm not sure if I expected to get to this point. But um, anyway, let's let's continue. I'll, I'll throw out another, another one. I've been banging on the, the whole on-chain gaming drum for a while. And I think 2023 is a year where the on-chain gaming nerds are going to be cool. Are going to be the cool kids. Um, there's not going to be mass adoption. Like, there's not going to be, um, like, it's probably not even going to be more than, like, let's say 50,000 players playing these games. But I do think that more and more people are going to be seeing this, get excited by it, and start building on it. And so I think that's, that's, I guess, my prediction. So we'll see more excitement around these games, especially um, from people who are building. And because there's always this delayed effect of people actually engaging with these new technologies and, like, and it needs some time for that to, uh, come to fruition and result in any significant higher number of users and or money spent. Um, I think um, we, we won't see any drastic number shifts when it comes to those games themselves, but I do think the mentality around is going to, is going to change and I'm going to be laughed at slightly less uh, when I, when I shill my, um, my passion for on-chain games. I hope I, so. I, I think you're early. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you are. I think you're early. I think that um, that's a good thing. And you are not wrong to say that it will get cooler, but to a point that is the least spicy prediction because it couldn't get less cool. So <laughs> I felt that. So it, amongst a certain audience, right? I, and and we should caveat that by saying ninety nine point nine percent of the world doesn't care about yeah. that coolness. They don't know what it is. But what I'm talking about is again my my Twitter stream right like i have seen in the last 12 months a couple of people going hey i hate that world but here's a cool thing right and that is amongst you know again 10,000 tweets going just i hate that world right so it's a tight but but there are these tiny tiny dots and i think there will be a few more of those because as the money drifts away and those people all leap onto AI or whatever the next thing is like suddenly you're left with like I said the, uh, the, uh, the like I said in my ramble at the start the the experimenters and those are the cool kids like mm -hmm. and from that will grow something bigger and something more interesting now whether it ever becomes cool or people just don't know they're using it right and mm -hmm. The cool kids get to go, ha ha, and you get to go, ha ha, I was right all along. And everyone's <laughs> like, Dinko, we don't care. Whatever, whatever. I'm having fun with my accidental Web3 game. Then, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it kind of doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. if it makes you feel better, then I agree with your premise. It's going to get cooler. That's what I came here for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, I'd, I'd love to agree with your timeline, but as, as someone who's constantly too early and thinking mm. stuff will happen, uh, I got to say, like, I think eventually you'll be right to some extent. Like, I don't think it's going to be like the way that internet nerds were suddenly like cool when dot com <laughs> happened and stuff like that. Like, I don't think we're going to get that kind of wave where like the on chain people are going to be driving around in Lambos like, what up, everybody? Like, you all thought I was stupid, <laughs> but I bought this Lambo on chain. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think like you're right, like eventually. But I think I would love to, to say 2023 is the year, but. I think I think you might be a little little bit early on that, but I I do think actually the opposite will somewhat be true as well. Where going along the lines of what I was saying about um, 
uh, hidden Web3 technology. I think also there will be a lot of like, you know, Web 2.1 where it's there. There will be a lot of stuff where the the and you hear this all the time in pitches, I'm sure, like the Web3 stuff is optional, right? Like it's very optional. And I think that is kind of necessary right now, unfortunately. Like we would love to just shove everyone, everyone, you have a wallet now, you're in Web3, like get used to it, you know, throw them in the deep end. Like we would love to just do that to everyone, but that's not going to fly. And so I think it's going to be like one toe in at a time for a while until all of a sudden people are like, oh, this is this is fine. And then just jump in, right? Like, but I think we'll see a lot of stuff where the chain stuff is optional. It's maybe disguised, especially with Apple's policies, where you've got to kind of hide it. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of people doing stuff that has just this Web3 is like this hobbyist extension of that. Like, it's something you can do. It's something maybe you want to do if you're like this very specific niche audience of the game. But you're not like that's not the core audience. And I think you see that a lot, especially in the mobile direction where they all want to design these mobile games where... Web3 people can participate. And I think like Fate and Arena was still like kind of a good example of that, right? Where uh, technically the core gameplay and everything about it could just, Web3 could not exist in it, right? And it'd still be the same game. The Web3 stuff is optional and also not very well designed, but that was because it was relatively early. But I think that's an example of like stuff we will continue to see. And I think there's a lot of those being built right now. I mean, I know there's a lot of those being built right now uh, for a fact, but I think we'll see a lot of that next year. And I think we'll see a lot of the, the Web3 optionality make people, I think, a little bit more okay with it as well. Like, you you have, like, one aspect where it's just disguised and people don't know they're doing it, and the other aspect where they don't have to engage with it. And I think as we kind of come at it from those two sides, it starts to eventually sneak up on everyone so that 2024 can maybe be the year where we start to kind of, like, pull the curtain and, like, people could be like, oh, you know, actually, that was kind of cool. Those digital collectibles were kind of neat. Like, I did like owning it and being able to trade it, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, uh, you know, even Steam marketplace like uh was kind of an interesting like thing where people were like what the hell is this yeah. like at first and like and over time it didn't necessarily take over like it doesn't run like valve isn't based off the steam marketplace right now like it's it's very much still like games you're buying and i mean the marketplace is in like the tradables not like buying games off the store the storefront still is the majority of steam people aren't like oh my god i've got all these trading cards from participating in the holiday sale like i'm so excited now like i'm an early adopter of this new tech like this is that's not happening right you know csgo skins were a bit of a thing and, and stuff like that but i think uh it's kind of ingrained to the point where we just don't care anymore and that's also made it okay uh, Steam in general is like that, right? Like we, I remember just completely rejecting Steam when it first was like talked about and announced. I'm like, you want us to rent games and you're just going to like <laughs> control everything. I don't own anything anymore. Like this sucks. And now like I have like, you know, an infinite Steam library backlogged forever. Uh, so, you know, it can flip even, even like, you know, futuristic people like myself can still be skeptical of the stuff. And then you end up flipping later. And I think 2023 is kind of that, that tween year. Uh, where people are just slowly getting crept up on with that. And the on-chain stuff will absolutely, to your point, Nico, be be cool in the, the basements, right? Like like the, the underground D&D club kind of like basement thing. Like, and it'll be, it'll be building up, like for sure. Like I think among that audience, like it will get cooler. Like people will come up with cool new ideas and like it'll be all, all this like neat stuff people build on top of it. But it's just the average person won't hear about it, which is fine. Like if you're in that, if you're in that crowd, I think like if your worldview is just obscured and you don't see what else is going on, and you're just heads down in that world. It will absolutely look like that world's blowing up and getting crazy next year, but it just won't escape the basement as much. Unfortunately, I'd like, I'd like it to, but let's be real. It's, it's a difficult technology to make really good. 
uh, and so it's it's going to take time, unfortunately. Good. See, we haven't really <laughs> we, heard we sort of. Instead of you guys shitting on me, let's 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 hear something from Steve that that maybe we can get a shot at disagreeing with. Um, I don't have any spicy predictions for you. <laughs> the end. I picked the I, wrong I guest. <laughs> um. Well, to be fair, like you only you, you messaged me last night. And you said, "By the way, we're doing spicy predictions," which <laughs> yeah. is you know, so you had a whole night to reflect. Yeah. You've got to give me more than Nightmares, a night to everything. get the spiciest prediction. Um, I think the least spicy prediction I can make is something that I've mentioned already today, um, which is something I'm sure uh, you're all aware of, which is the pivot of everyone from. Um, Web3 and blockchain to AI, uh, because that is the next hot thing which is going to change the world. Um, and to that, to that end, I've I've spent my last three weeks, a little longer, um, playing with the tech and and trying to understand what I can do and creating some small game experiences from it. It's been super interesting. Like really, really, genuinely enjoyed it. I've been working over Christmas. Um, of my own volition, uh, like just because I found it so, so exciting. Um, in the same way that you're talking about, like, like I think many of the cool kids next year will be doing this with, um, with on-chain technology, still finding all of the new things. What we're going to see next year is a similar grade of ideas around AI, which is people shoving AI into a billion games where it doesn't belong. Um, which, to be fair, is what I've been trying to do over the last couple of weeks is just experimenting. Go, hey, what would this be like if I added AI? And I'll tell you, it's slightly worse <laughs> is the answer uh, generally. So we're going to see a lot of, of of that stuff next year. Is that spicy enough for you? I can dig it. Yeah. <laughs> do you agree? I, I do agree, yes. Um, yeah. I live in, in a bit of a VC world where we like to try to preempt some of these waves. And um, I mean, the wave's clearly there and I'm not making the shift necessarily uh, in a major way, but uh, I'm definitely paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to I'm gonna be interested in seeing the over allocation of, of funds to this new space. <laughs> oh, you know, and I'm also I, I, ready to be made fun of as a VC yeah. in the next year for all the shitty projects that were funded like in the last bull run <laughs> in the crypto space, right? Mm. Because as Devin mentioned in the beginning, a lot of those are seeing the end of their runway. They're going to come out with subpar products because they had to cut stuff. And uh, yeah, we're going to be made fun of. And that's fine. It's part of the game, you know? It's all in good fun, Nico. That's it. I think I think uh, you're one of the smarter ones in terms of that stuff. So I think you're you're safer than some of the others who will be laughed out of the room first. So don't worry, you'll be further down <laughs> the line. We'll get to you eventually. I I said in the previous podcast that we are happy to invest often in boomers who are extremely conservative, and we're actually looking at a boomer right there, Steve, um, who has a a beautiful amount of runway. It's just it's just phenomenal. And it's one of the reasons why he has such a fantastic smile on his face. So um, I was uh, I was at a dinner with Nico um, just before Christmas, and you know it's a dinner That's full of sick. full of founders. Uh, well, I, I heard that people did get sick there, um, um, but vegetarians like me did not. So 
Um, <laughs> which maybe was payback for what happened at the start of the evening when um, everyone was mingling and mixing, uh, you know, other founders and, and various friends, the great and the good. And I sat down on a couch with Nico. Uh, and it's that point where Nico should be introducing and saying, here is, here is Steve's got, you know, phenomenal idea here's how it's company but you should be very excited about it what nico actually said was uh this is Steve. uh do you know what um do you know what my favorite thing about his project is and the woman said no tell me and she said he said the runway <laughs> and, I, and i was like it's a bit of a neg nico honestly like i mean <laughs> unless you're investing in airplane uh you know airports or something then it makes a little more sense <laughs> that's that's actually it well you know i'm working on a, a startup which is doing new runway technology yeah. for uh so it is going to change the world no it is uh, you know it's a, it's a nice thing to have time um and space to build which is going to be i think the most important thing for companies in that space over the next few years because i've always said you know right from the start when i first met you nico that i think the important thing is to allow yourself time to learn from the mistakes of others to watch the industry grow and watch where it's heading because technology fads come and go right like you are the cool kid or you're not the cool kid and it kind of doesn't matter um technology doesn't when something is invented it is invented and stays around and you know, to a point earlier, everyone is always like, how is this going to change the world? Well, not everything has to change the world. Some things just have to improve the world a little bit. And if you can be the ones who work out how this improves the world and improves games and improves other things, you know, invent the next Tetris, just changes things just a little bit. If you can be the company that's there and make something cool with that when everyone else has got bored because they're not the cool kids anymore, if you can be that company then you're in a good place. So, yeah, you weren't wrong to introduce uh, me in that way because maybe the favourite thing is is the runway and survival. for positive reasons. Right, right? You're, yeah. you're a survivor is what he said. Mm -hmm. He said, Steve is smart and a survivor and he squirreled his nuts away like for the winter. <laughs> and that's important mm -hmm. because I'll see him next spring, whereas all those other squirrels that didn't won't see them well, again. Quite. The other thing that happened to me in the last month was um, slightly anxious emails from VC after FTX saying, so just checking in on you, just where was your money? <laughs> it was in a bank account where boomers like us should put your money. How beautifully boring of you. Mm. Just send a big, back a picture of your mattress. <laughs> <laughs> just, no, Some gold no bars. Text, just your mattress. Yeah. Don't worry, we're good. I slept on it. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. Um, that's it. So, um, Steve. Our special, our special guests. Thank you so much for joining. This was uh, really fun, and uh, going you so to your insights and your your stabs at me. Um, <laughs> I can live with it. We're still friends. I'll invite Good. you again, maybe next Thank year. Thank you. It's yeah. been super, super fun. Thank you, guys. Devin, um, thanks for joining as usual, and and for your uh, your hot and um, and and wise takes with your knowledge about the space. But most of all, thank you, listener. Um, I feel like I need to do a special outro because this is the last episode of the year, but maybe I don't necessarily have to. But next year, we're going to be back with spicy takes, deep dives. Maybe we'll get Steve on, tell us a bit more about how he looks at, you know, Web3 technology, what he's doing with it. And, and he's got the runway to be here again. Huh? Yeah. He's got we'll the runway to be here before. again. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's no rush, Nico. <laughs> That's true. Good. Um, 
And then, yeah, we've also, as you might know, listeners started to do weekly uh, town square meetings where, you know, we're just talking together about topics and you get to ask me questions and I get to ask you questions. Um, and those are really fun. So if you want to join those, um, please make sure to, to get into our Discord. Um, and if you enjoyed what we talked about today, um, if you want to support us, just leave us a like, a good rating. It helps a lot. And with that, we are out for this year and uh, we look forward to speaking to you in the next. Ciao.